As Russia masses troops on Ukraine's borders and diplomats scramble to stave off an invasion, at least one heated battle is already underway, a battle to shape how the conflict and its key players are perceived around the world. That's because it's a flashpoint in the emerging competition between democracies and their authoritarian challengers. My name is Jessica Brandt, and I'm policy director of the AI and Emerging Tech Initiative at the Brookings Institution and a fellow in the Foreign Policy Program. My work focuses on foreign interference, disinformation, and the implications of emerging technologies for liberal democracies. Today, I'd like to talk about the information dimension of the Ukraine crisis, what it tells us about the state of cooperation between Russia and China, and how Washington is navigating this difficult terrain. So first, what's happening? For weeks, Russia has aggressively pushed falsehoods about Ukraine and NATO as part of a divide and discredit strategy that includes amplifying differences between the U.S. and its European partners over their respective approaches to the crisis and framing Ukraine, Western governments, and NATO as the true aggressors. U.S. officials have accused Moscow of sending saboteurs into eastern Ukraine to stage an incident that could provide a pretext for war, illustrating how the Kremlin uses multiple tools of interference in conjunction with one another, often to set the stage for a later information operation. Meanwhile, the Kremlin has used state media to suggest that it's in fact Ukraine that's planning a false flag provocation, building on a long history of blaming Ukraine for Kremlin misdeeds. Now Beijing too has jumped into the game, highlighting schisms among NATO allies while extolling Sino-Russian unity, repeating Kremlin talking points directing blame for the conflict onto NATO, and dismissing independent news coverage as disinformation. Beijing is portraying American politicians as warmongering for partisan political gain, American citizens as unsophisticated and bumbling, and American cities as violent, in this case more dangerous than Kyiv. So what are their goals? For both Moscow and Beijing, this is part of a long-running strategy to weaken the transatlantic partnership, undermine European cohesion, and disparage liberal institutions, including NATO and the independent press. That's because liberal institutions push back on Putin and Xi for their destabilizing activities, expose them to criticism, or otherwise constrain their interests. For Russia, a declining power by many measures, this is part of an effort to gain relative advantage over its competitors by tarnishing their soft power and disrupting their alliances and partnerships in the near term. Putin seems to hope that by promoting division among the United States and European governments, he can prevent them from advancing other policy priorities that might run counter to his goals, all while elevating Russia's status in the international arena. China, by contrast, is the rising power by most measures. It does not seek to disrupt the existing liberal order as an end in itself. Rather than disorder, Beijing seeks a new order, one that's more favorable to its interests. So importantly, where Russia disparages the West to weaken it, China disparages the West to draw contrast, to position its own illiberal system of government as a compelling alternative. If Beijing is embracing Moscow's messaging around the crisis, does that mean that Putin and Xi are coordinating? My own take is probably not. Moscow's been playing this game independently quite well for some time, and Beijing doesn't need to reach any kind of agreement with the Kremlin to mimic Putin's strategy, far less sophisticated actors have done that, or boost Kremlin talking points that serve China's interests. Over the long run, the parties have very different goals, but here and now, over Ukraine, their interests are converging. That's what's driving the similarities in their recent information strategies. The fact that their activities aren't formally coordinated shouldn't offer much comfort. Russia and China do not need to cooperate in an explicit way for their information campaigns to have a compounding, corrosive effect on how the conflict and its key players are perceived by the rest of the world. Both want to diminish U.S. soft power, erode European cohesion, and exacerbate transatlantic divides in order to weaken their competitors abroad. Both want to depress trust in authoritative media in order to discredit it as a means of tightening their grip on power at home. 
Each benefits from the efforts of the other. That may be especially the case for President Xi. That's because Russia's efforts to dent the appeal of Western governments and governing institutions create space for China to tout the strengths of its own illiberal model. In this way, Russia and China's separate activities could have an effect that's greater than the sum of its parts. So what can democratic governments do? You know, Washington's taken a number of steps in recent days to get out ahead of Russian hybrid activity, suggesting it takes seriously the information dimensions of the conflict. These include publicly accusing the Kremlin of sending saboteurs into Ukraine to create the pretext for an invasion, sanctioning Russian influence operators, backing the UK's exposure of a Kremlin plan to install a pro-Russian leader in Ukraine, and releasing fact sheets on Russia's latest disinformation campaigns. I don't think Washington can fully deter Putin from using disinformation and other low-cost asymmetric tools and tactics, but it can decrease the effectiveness of those tools by building resilience in part through exposure, and it can raise the costs of using them through measures like sanctions. A, a sound strategy for navigating an era of persistent information competition should flow from one basic understanding. Russia and China use disinformation because they see the information domain as terrain over which they have an asymmetric advantage. Democracies depend on the idea that the truth is knowable and citizens can discern it for the purposes of self-government. Autocracies have no such need for a healthy information space to thrive. In fact, autocrats benefit from widespread skepticism that the truth exists at all. So responding to information operations in kind would just ensure that the conflict plays out on a battlefield of the autocrats choosing. And by further polluting the information environment, we would ultimately do more harm to ourselves and our competitors. Instead, Washington should go on offense in the areas most conducive to its success. That means harnessing truthful information to expose the failures and wrongdoings of autocratic regimes as Washington has done in past weeks. And it also means using sanctions to punish those who carry out influence campaigns and perhaps advance cyber capabilities to limit the capacity of those actors to do their work.